Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the first under review of 2024 on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. You may not remember him... But the man sitting next to me, metaphorically, is Vish Kumaran, who used to do a show on this network way back when, and now has suddenly reappeared. Hello, Vish. Hey, Rob, that might be your worst dad joke I've ever heard from you. I mean, you're going straight to the, hey, I saw you last year. It's been an entire year since I've seen you. Like, that, 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 that has to be one of the worst dad jokes that that's like the 35 40 year old bot and that's a little young maybe the 45 year old 50 year old boss making that joke when you return from the holidays come on rob you're better than that 35 seconds into the show you are already insulting me that that's what you say to me when i haven't done a show with you since god after the eagles game right yeah the eagles game was our last show I'm sorry, Rob. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I was just keeping it honest. You usually have better jokes. I missed you, buddy. <laughs> I missed you too, man. I had to punch up the material as we go forward. Antonio says, ah, this is back. Let's go. That's how most people feel. People were asking about you. Uh, Travan says, will we see the legendary Vish tonight? See, wow. people are, are pumped that you are back. We're going to get into some of the Adam Peters stuff that is swirling around there's some steve wilkes rumors swirling around we'll look back at an incredible incredible 2023 regular season for the 49ers we have to get to the news of the day because it's that time of year again fish black monday 
Coaches are fired left, right, and center. General managers getting dismissed. Teams looking at other teams, front office and coaching staff. And once again, the rumors, the sharks are circling around assistant general manager Adam Peters. Is this the year he finally flies the coop? Maybe. Uh, here's here's my issue with this entire topic. I And I think we discussed this maybe at some points last year. Um I don't I think I've since become a little nicer in my opinion because my running joke would be that hey the only player we knew Adam Peters scouted was Ambry Thomas and at that point we had nothing good from Ambry Thomas but the second half of this year has been fairly positive in the name of Ambry Thomas especially with him bouncing back from a really difficult start to his career mm -hmm. but I, I don't necessarily understand why people go up in arms about him leaving or anything like that. To me, the mastermind behind this entire 49ers operation is one man. His name is Kyle. First name Kyle, last name Shanahan. He's the only guy I'm nervous about the 49ers losing. I know Mike McDaniel's pretty smart. He's doing a pretty good job in Miami. Have the 49ers missed a beat without him? No, because he wasn't the guy that made this thing go. It was Kyle Shanahan. The entire scouting thing with Adam Peters, I don't doubt that he's good at whatever executive role that they have him partake in, and I don't doubt that they would miss somebody valuable. But this idea that he is somehow the mastermind behind every good pick they've had and every bad pick is Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I've never understood that narrative. I would love to see Adam Peters go see what he can do by himself in a different place. It would just make my heart warm, not because – I'm anti-Adam Peters just because I like doing these kinds of social experiments, especially when I feel like people get unwarranted credit, cough, cough, Adam Peters. <laughs> so I, I'm totally okay with if teams take him. I'm also totally okay with the 49ers promoting him to GM. Um, I think whatever happens under Kyle Shanahan is okay because they have Kyle Shanahan. You have said that before, and it does make a lot of sense. My pushback would be, look, you you lost Martin Mayhew. You lost Rand Carthon. You lost Mike McDaniel. You lost Bobby Slowick. You lost Robert Sala. You lost D'Amico Ryans. At some point, don't all of these losses have to catch up with you? It's really hard to keep filling these roles with good people again and again and again. At some point, will this hurt the 49ers? I think it's hurt them at different points. It's not like it hasn't hurt them, right? Like Chris Forrester talked about how when they lost Mike McDaniel, they had issues with the Excel stuff in the run game. And I'm sure that those are like, those are little things to us, but I'm sure that for them, those are real problems inside of the organization that they had to figure out. I think the reason they continually find solutions, despite having to take a step back or put somebody less inexperienced and promote them and bring somebody else up is because they have, Kyle Shanahan, who makes these guys improve. He sets a level to push these guys and make these guys improve. I mean, you don't see these kinds of coaching um, turnover where guys are successful constantly with internal hiring, essentially, anywhere else except for, like, if you look at the Niners in the 80s and 90s with Walsh when Holmgren would leave and he would be replaced by Shanahan and he would be replaced by Tressman. He would be, like, one head coach after another after another. Denny Green was in those stats. Or with Belichick, right? They lost Charlie Weiss. They lost Romeo Cornell. They lost Matt Patricia. They lost Josh McDaniels. They lost uh, Bill O'Brien, excuse me. Um, and despite losing all of these people, as long as you have that one consistent guy at the top, I think that he's the guy that makes every one of these guys go. 
it's not a discredit of a Mike McDaniel. It's not a discredit of a D'Amico Ryans. I think they're all excellent coaches in their own right. And they've done a good job implementing what they learned from Shanahan in their own places. But the mastermind behind all of this to me is Kyle Shanahan. He's the one with the identity of how he's the one, excuse me, with the vision of what he wants the identity of this organization to look like. The vision of this offense is his vision. The vision of this defense, as we talked about a lot when people were talking about, hey, Steve Wilkes is going to do this, do that. It's Kyle Shanahan's vision. And so as long as he's there, I, I don't really care who's really around him. That's whoever he feels works best around him until he proves he's unable to do what he's been doing for the last seven years. And that's a perfectly logical argument. God, it's been a long time since we've had one of those on a show I've hosted. Yeah, that's right. Levin and Michelle. Wow. You out. Wow. Um, do you think that if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, John Lynch is gone, Adam Peters is GM, and it's business as usual? Maybe. I, do, I don't know that the 49ers necessarily strike me as just because we win, we're now going to just have a party for the next two years after we win and reward everybody. Um, I think the fastest way Super Bowl teams go is by doing that, or championship teams in general. Happened in the 16 Cavs, right? Decided because they won J.R. Smith, take the money. Tristan Thompson, take the money. Happened to the Rams. They won Stafford. Here you go. Even though you're old and, you know, your body's beaten up. Aaron Donald, here you go. The money just kept coming out like that. So that that's just, I think, I hope that the 49ers are a little bit more shrewd business-wise than just doing that. Interesting. So you are not, you don't care about Adam Peters at all. I look, I don't understand how he was the most credited guy, and then Martin Hay- Mayhew gets hired before him, and then Rand Carthon gets hired before him. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I noticed that the Niners have been doing a little more to promote people after the drafts and stuff, besides Adam Peters. Right. Uh, that's a thing that's happened recently. Hundred percent. And not to mention, Rob, it's like one of those things because people are like, well, he pulls his name out of the search. But the one thing I've noticed about these head coaching searches is 90 percent of it is an optics game. So a lot of these guys pull out of jobs that they know that they're not going to get in order to make it look like they were pulling out of the job where they rejected the job rather than the job rejecting them. Was Brian Gutenkins going to get the 49ers job? When they hired Kyle Shanahan? No, he wasn't. Was Nick Casario going to get that job when they hired Kyle Shanahan? No, he wasn't. But what did they do? They pulled their names out of the search. And what did we all think as Niners fans? Hey, nobody else wants to work with Jed York because he's fired three coaches in three years. It's all about the optics. Yes, that is absolutely true. A lot of these guys know who they're hiring before any interview ever takes place. Right. Vinny V says, is there a situation where it's Lynch as president of operations and Peters as GM? Here's the thing. That has been a rumor for a long time that John Lynch would get a quote unquote promotion and then somebody else would be the GM. And I don't think it's totally crazy because guess what? Half of it has already happened because when John Lynch got a multi-year contract extension months later, or at least a month later, it comes out. Oh, by the way, John Lynch is also head of the, what is he? President of football operations. So they've already given him like that kind of fake bonus, fluffy, frou-frou title. So now if they wanted to, they could say, hey, Adam Peters is now the GM and Lynch is just going to continue in his role as Grand Poobah of blah, blah, blah. (laughs) 
Well, I I agree, and I think it's definitely possible, excuse me, but I don't know that it's as probable as people think where like, oh, the Niners just want to keep Adam Peters, and they're just going to do that. Because here's why. If they wanted to do that when they promoted John Lynch four or five months ago when they got that extension, right? The extension was announced after week two, I think, but the extension was done before week one. Um, I think they didn't want to announce it then because of – the Niners admitting to a very large mistake at the time. And then they were transitioning towards the season. And then they used the Niners being excellent to start the season as a way to then put the news out. Well, they could have promoted Peters at that time. Well, that's true. Nobody would have questioned it. Even then this was a move people have been clamoring for since 2020, 2021. So they could have done that then to me, the fact that they didn't promote Peters immediately, the fact that they're going to allow him. And at least it seems that way right now, this could change, but um, it seems that they're going to allow him to entertain other interviews and job opportunities. It means that I don't think they just look at Peters and say, man, if we lose that guy, the entire operation is gone. They're like, okay, look around. Maybe we'll promote Maybe they'll promote him but they're going to do it based on what's the best thing for them. They're not going to do it because they're desperate to keep him. That's what I wanted to say. Got it. Now keep in mind also that they change the rules, at least for head coaches. You can't um, interview face to face until what is it for teams that play in the wild card round? Coaches cannot be interviewed until the following Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on which day their game is played. Also, the second change states no in-person interviews are permitted with candidates employed by other teams until after all wildcard games have ended before the end of the wildcard games. In-person interviews can only happen with candidates employed by the team hiring a head coach or candidates not currently employed by the NFL. So they've changed the timeline a little bit there. Do you think that John Lynch is gone if the Niners win a Super Bowl? Take Adam Peters out of it. If I was John Lynch, I'd be gone. Did you see the money he turned down from Amazon? Yeah. Like a hundred percent. But where's um, he go? Where's but I, I don't know exactly. I think he loves this. If he turned down that money from Amazon, to me, that means that there's something more that he's involved in, and there's something he can't let go about this that has way more to do than just having a better life and having more money. Right. Uh also sign me two nine watching on Twitch. Shout out to everybody on Twitch. The annual discussion. If the Niners win it all, does Lynch go back to TV? Yeah, I'd love to have the discussion. Now that the 49ers have won it all, will John Lynch leave? Or John Lynch has left. Who's going to be like, let's let's get to right, the Super Bowl right. part of that, please. Um, we're going to get to more stuff on the coaching carousel. In and a- I, I think there's also a psychological point to it because I think people constantly talk about John Lynch and they say at that point he's accomplished it all. Like, can he just sit back and relax? And you think like, John Lynch should be self-satisfied, right? He won a Super Bowl as a player. He made the Hall of Fame as a player. He built up a team from scratch as a general manager. He wins the Super Bowl as the general manager. Like, in theory, that should be good enough for him, right? But I'd argue that's the antithesis of his entire personality. Yeah. If being good enough and being able to sit back was John Lynch, then he wouldn't have achieved everything to be able to sit back. And I don't think that he might... I don't think that that's as easy for him as people tend to make it out to be because he comes across as so perfect. I do think that for him to still be involved in this in the capacity he is, there's a drive and there's a killer instinct inside of him 
that's a little bit different. And I don't know that just walking away, even if they do win a Super Bowl, I don't know that that's going to just satisfy him enough to just step away from what he seems to love. There's one more part of this, too. You got to if it's not Lynch and it's somebody else, you got to be able to work with Kyle Shanahan. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily an easy thing. Look, Kyle has been at the high level of sport for a long time. He's grown up in the sport, a very famous football family. He has an ego, as all these coaches do. And Shanahan's ego is earned. You know, I'm a huge Shanahan fan. But. I imagine there are times when it's tough to work with him and you've got to be able to manage that. And that's not something everybody can do. You know, Shanahan had a hard time finding a general manager. Remember, John Lynch called Kyle and said, I would like to be your GM. And they didn't really have any other options at the time. So they met with him to figure out if it could work. So that's just another small part of this. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves and we still have all the playoffs. Right, right. But this is the news of the day. So this is where we are. So, you know, you got to be able to work with Kyle. And I don't think that's something everybody can do. And you need Kyle's respect, too, because you need to be able to say no to Kyle. And you also need to be able to do what he asks you, because at the end of the day, most of the time he knows what's best. And it feels like John Lynch has struck that perfect balance throughout the relationship. Um, And I think that them working in concert has created that. And then I there's something about them that I think also reflects John Lynch as much as I respect Kyle, the football character that they seem to find in each one of these players. Like I know that everybody says like cliche, we want team captains. We want guys who love football. We want guys who play really hard and like love the, you know, like these are things that every GM coach says and what they're looking for. The Niners have really found those guys. They found these unselfish guys who love the game and will do anything for their team, right? Nick Bosa is that. George Kittle is that. Debo Samuels is that. Or Debo Samuel, excuse me. I hate when people say Debo me Samuels, too. and I just did I'm it. I'm glad you fixed that. Debo Samuel is that. Um, Brandon Ayuk is that. Kyle Juszczyk is that. They've fostered this culture, and to me that culture is represented because that's who John Lynch was as a player. And I think that him being a Hall of Fame player brings cachet and respect in a lot of these conversations because everybody respects John Lynch. And I think there's an aspect of him being respected by everybody. I mean, Washington and Kyle Shanahan have the worst relationship of all time. And John Lynch pulled off a trade for Trent Williams. For like a third and a fifth round pick. Right. And I know Trent Williams wanted to come to the Niners. I think it was between the Niners and the Vikings. But for them to trade a essentially a hall of famer, even then I, I know that he didn't yep. have the first team all pros then, but if anybody who had seen the guy play left tackle, he was a first ballot hall of famer then um, in terms of just pure ability for him, for them to trade him to the Niners, given their relationship with Kyle, it just goes to show how many people respect John Lynch around the NFL. I think Vinny V says this one's for you stats, but don't let it get to Levin's head. Levin is the Kyle and only certain people can work with him, but you're perfect for him. Hashtag human wet blanket. Yeah, it's not easy to tolerate Levin, but somehow we find a is way. Is he calling you John Lynch? I guess I'll be a Hall of Famer. It's the only time I'll ever be Hall of Fame in anything. So uh, don't I want- worry, Rob. I, I believe you're going to go into some Hall of Fame someday. I, thought, I once thought the Radio Hall of Fame, but uh, no, not What radio- about the ad reading Hall of Fame? You really yeah. killed that at the top. There you go. I want to talk more about this in a second, but JCG did give a donation, so I wanted to uh, get to him so you don't have to wait any longer. Squash the gold talk from fans. His leg is weaker than before, and he never had a strong leg to begin with. 
He didn't attempt a 50-yard field goal until year three and didn't make one until year five, 13 out of 20 with the 49ers. Jake Moody missed a couple field goals, and people are all up in their feelings about it, Vish. That was all the talk yesterday on the Instant Reaction Show. Oh, my God. Jake Moody. We need a kicker. We need a kicker. Great. Which kicker do you want to get? Well, I, uh, we need a kicker. Okay, who should we go sign? Well, I, somebody. I hate that. I hate that. You want the idea of a kicker. You want a guy that you think is never going to miss ever because, of course, we never want our kicker to miss kicks. That guy doesn't exist. He's not out there. So I I was trying to tell people to calm down with the kicker fear. Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? Uh, in 2012, when the Niners had their kicker issue with David Akers, do you remember who they ended up bringing in and was part of their active 53-man roster? The guy who blew it in the playoffs the year before. It was like, if David Akers, who's been sucking for the second half of the year, is your problem, here's Billy Cundiff to help you out. It's like, okay, never mind. We, we'll stick with David Akers. And they but did. That That's kind of what this situation is. I, I don't necessarily get the outrage. The guy had a bad game. I think everybody's eligible to have a bad game from time to time, and he had one. Um, This idea that you fear him not being able to perform because you haven't seen him in those moments. Well, this is the only guy we do it with. Did anybody fear Brock Purdy last year because you hadn't seen him in playoff moments? And were they like, go get another quarterback who's played a little bit more because we haven't seen him in playoff moments? Right. No, that's not how we do it for any other possession position, right? We didn't do it for Talanoa Hufanga the first time he had to play in the playoffs or Jair Brown, Jair Brown, excuse me. I, I'm terrible with my pronunciation today many names <laughs> Debo Samuels GE Europe Brown I don't know what I was saying but either way each one of these guys also had to prove that they were ready for that moment the Niners invested a third round pick into this guy for the most part he's lived up to snuff with this pick he's been pretty solid now I don't know if he was worth a third round pick but he's kicked extremely well this year he's been very good the entire season Rob has the stats up right here for everybody to see one miss inside of 40 yards. One missed extra point this year. He's made four, He had made 49 straight kicks. He had one bad game. Now it's his opportunity in the playoffs. I, I don't understand who you're going to get or what you're going to get. This is what young players go through. And for whatever reason, he's the only guy that we have to be fearful of him not doing something he hasn't done before. I don't get it either. There's nobody out there where you could say, I know that guy's not going to miss in the playoffs. It just doesn't exist. And you can point to Robbie Gold's record all you want. That doesn't mean he's never going to miss just because right. he never has. And he's older and he's probably hasn't been working out the same way because he's officially retired now. No, stick with Moody. If it, you don't let it come down to a field goal, this team is, is constructed to leave no doubt, to not have it come down to a field goal, to not have it come down to Jimmy Garoppolo needing to hit Emmanuel Sanders, to not have it come down to Jaquiski Tart holding on to an interception against the Rams. They are designed to beat the hell out of you and be up by multiple scores. So that stuff doesn't come into play. Agreed. And and not to mention with Robbie Gold, I, I think that we're missing an entire part of this conversation, right? Because let's say, let, let's just go here. Let's go to the point that Moody somehow screws the 49ers. He misses a big kick in the playoffs. People are going to say, you should have never addressed this with the third round pick. You should have brought Robbie Gold back. But the money at the time, like if, if they brought Robbie Gold back for another year 
with his age and given the regression he had shown, given that he had basically the capacity to only make kicks from like 48 yards and in, mm-hmm. and he did it with great consistency. But we're seeing with the Justin Tuckers, the um, those type of kickers, I they're young Hoku. I'm they're not coming into my head right now immediately. I'm rusty, guys. It's been a month since I've done a show, okay? But we've seen what a weapon it is, Jake Elliott, to have a kicker that can kick it from 60, 59, 58. The Niners were playing without that weapon for so long. If they had given Robbie Gold the money that he asks for to be that, I would have criticized the move. It would have made no sense. They would have been screwing themselves from getting somebody else. So to me, financially, the Moody was the right move. Whether he pans out or not, well, this is his opportunity to see. I promise that they'll be in a kicker conversation if he screws them over in the playoffs, despite what they've invested in him. That's that's, good- that's reality. But this is his opportunity. It's a good point because people have been saying, well, they, they, sh- they could have you know, the opportunity cost of drafting Jake Moody, right? You could have got an offensive lineman with that third round pick or something else. Well, guess what? Robbie Gold would have cost you more money. So there's opportunity cost there. Are you able to do right. some of the things you did this season? Are you able to do some of the things you did last off season? I don't know, but that is a factor. But I just, I hope that we calm down with the Jake Moody stuff. Again, it shouldn't come down to Jake Moody. It absolutely should not. And if it does, we'll have to see how it turns out. But I'm, I was not on the cut Jake Moody train just yet. And ho- wow. I'm- you're usually on the cut the 49ers player train. No, I'm not. Who did I want to see cut? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just messing with you. Uh, JJ00 on Twitch. Oh, says, man. I, I blew another one. I just saw that. Killing it with the pronunciations on the names, Vish. Yeah. Young way. Young way. Yeah. Young I turned way. into Stephen A. Smith overnight. Uh, that's all right. Just don't suggest that if a team misses a field goal and they kick it on third down, they could kick it again. Like Stephen A. Smith once did on live television. Or or talk about Hunter Henry, who'd been out the entire year. <laughs> God. Um, okay. The other news in the sort of coaching carousel cycle is that the Chargers, according to Mike Garofolo, are requesting permission to interview Steve Wilkes for their vacant head coaching job. This is interesting to me, Vish, for a couple of reasons. First of all, Steve Wilkes still is suing the NFL for racial discrimination. Yeah. So that is usually not something owners take kindly to like, are they, you know, are you going to want to make that guy your head coach? I don't know. I have no idea. We'll see. Steve Wilkes has certainly done a fantastic job this year. I said after the regular season finale, he deserves way more credit than he's gotten. The 49ers defense has been very good this year. Uh, And it's interesting to see now that the chargers are maybe thinking of hiring Steve Wilkes away or interviewing him at least. Okay, so I I think that there's layers to this conversation. One, I hope Steve Wilkes gets a head coaching job. He's such a good human being. And I I don't, I guess I say this about a lot of people in the public eye. I guess it's more so it sounds like it because I don't necessarily voice like who I think is not so good human being. But the way I saw Steve Wilkes handle that two week stretch when it felt like everybody blamed him, including people on the 49ers, and they kind of left him out like a martyr for a cause when they were in the middle of that um, three losing win streak, right? The zero blitz, the way he had to publicly apologize to the media, all of that, the way he handled that as a human being, I thought showed who Steve Wilkes is. I thought the way he handled not getting the Carolina job, them hiring Frank Reich and then him tweeting the next day, like, you know, it's a beautiful day, whatever the sun goes up, I'm ready to rock and roll. It just goes to show like he's got such a good life attitude that we should all, um aspire to learn from but um in terms of 
him getting the Chargers job, I don't really think that one makes sense just from a they had Brandon Staley, who's a defensive coach, and the entire idea of the issue with Brandon Staley, though it might not be the case, was defensive coach and you have Justin Herbert. So it feels like just optically because of the way these things go down with jobs, the Chargers would go for it offensive coach just so the optics surrounding it are better because it at least doesn't look like they're making the same mistake over again though I do think coaching is much more nuanced than that I do think that there's an element of the public guy that plays into it so that's there so I don't think Wilkes is getting that job necessarily I do think if he lands a job this offseason it does put the 49ers in an interesting position because they wouldn't necessarily have one of their former coordinators to fall back on. It looks like Salah is going to keep his job. D'Amico certainly is keeping his job. Um, He just took the Texans to the playoffs. Wilkes would be gone. And I think there was Daniel Bullock's conversations, but even when people were talking about firing Wilkes, it never felt like there was a candidate within to immediately replace Wilkes. That was part of what the issue was. It would be like, if you replace Wilkes, who are you going to replace him with? I remember Richard Sherman suggested Daniel Bullock's, but I don't know if that if like they wanted Daniel Bullocks to be the defensive coordinator in the first place, Steve Wilkes wouldn't even be here. They would have just promoted another internal guy if they felt he was ready, you know, seven, eight months ago. So I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. I think that the Niners wouldn't prefer to get another outside hire because they're so specific on how they want their scheme to be played. And I think yeah. that they learned from some growing pains with Steve Wilkes earlier this year. So when you take all of that together. I know that it's kind of a difficult conversation, but I think that it would, if Wilkes and I, it wouldn't be the Chargers job in my opinion. Now I could be totally wrong, but that's just how I'm reading, you know, this from afar. But if he gets a different job this off season, I do think it puts the Niners in a difficult spot because I don't think there's an internal candidate for them that looks like ready and groomed to take the defensive coordinator job the way we knew D'Amico would. And I don't know that they have one of their old coaches necessarily to fall back on either to take the defensive coordinator job. And remember, too, like not only did Wilkes have to run the 49ers system, he had like no staff. Like he didn't get right. to really pick his staff. Which It's a really unique situation what the 49ers have with Steve Wilkes and what they're trying to do here and thread this needle. Uh, and look, you know, there's a lot of smoke about Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. And, you know, maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's who they want. You know, we'll see. But that was in the news. Steve Wilkes, uh, the Chargers at least want to talk to him. So we'll see. And and I think the big issue, Rob, is not necessarily like that they couldn't find another good defensive coordinator. I think there's plenty of good defensive coordinator candidates. They want to run this scheme, though. Yes. And they want to run this scheme with the their version of the combination of the Seattle scheme with um, the wide nine front that they've incorporated with Chris Kosarek. And it's not easy to do what they did with Wilkes this year. And that's why I think it would be difficult for them to find another defense. Maybe they go like Joe Woods. I don't know what Joe Woods is doing these days since the Browns fired him, but like that would be a name, but I don't like they didn't go for him this off season. If the jets were to fire Robert Sala, would you want Robert Sala back? I mean, I'm never a big fan of coaching retreads. Like when coach goes from coordinator to head coach back to coordinator, I feel like they lose a little bit of that drive when they were originally a coordinator that like, oh my God, I need to do everything to become a head coach. Once they've already been a head coach and they come back to being a coordinator, that's just 
a very besides the point psychological <laughs> evaluation I have made from so far afar, but I don't really like that. But I guess so, just because it's a familiar face and we know he's good at calling defense. The issue is he hasn't called defense the last two, three years. He's been running a team, and Jeff Ulbrich has been their defensive coordinator. I don't Former think that, Right. True. True. Former I'm Niner special team. Great. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember the Ulbrich years. Damn it. <laughs> that, when they wore those scarlet uniforms instead yeah. of a nice bright red. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's also another aspect of it. Like he hasn't been, I, it's not that he can't do the job, but he hasn't been necessarily practicing this job in the last two years. He's been doing something else. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it is a different job. I, I tell people that all the time. It's a different job. It's like, oh, you're a good cook. Can you farm? That's the difference between coordinator and head coach. Tony Dungy always tells an awesome story when he became the head coach of the Buccaneers. He was in his office and somebody knocked on his door and said, coach, all right, it's preseason. Which hotel do you want the team to stay at? And he was like, what? Like, what? What are you talking about? Why are you talking to me about this? And the guy was like, oh, because you're the head coach. It's your decision. And it was like, that stuff never occurred to him. Like he never had to worry about that stuff as the coordinator. When you're the head coach, you do have to worry about that stuff. So yeah, I agree with you. That's a good point. He hasn't called plays in a little while. Uh, Warlock says, what are your thoughts that NFL expert is choosing the Rams to beat the 49ers in the divisional playoffs? Did not like losing the last game before the playoffs. What NFL expert? I know which NFL expert this is. Who is it? It's Nick Wright. Oh, is he? Um, yeah, I saw the tweet one. Okay. I, I, I don't even say this to defend him because I like I'm like semi annoyed by the guy, semi amused by the guy, but I kind of like their show dynamic with him, Broussard and Wilds. I think it's pretty funny. So I do watch elements of their show from time to time. But one one thing I've gotten to know about Nick Wright, or at least observing him, is that whatever he picks, he manifests his picks in his picks, if that makes sense. So he picked Dallas to go to the Super Bowl. So I think he's manifesting that the 49ers will lose because he doesn't think the Niners, he can pick the Cowboys over the Niners. So he picked the Rams to beat the Niners. And then I think he picked the Cowboys to beat the Rams. And then he picked this. The other thing I have to say is he's also the same expert who had Seattle winning the division this year. And has he really been accurate with his Niners takes? No. And he also said the Bills were not going to make the playoffs when they were six and six. So, you know, nobody bats at that. And like, that's not bash Nick Wright. Like nobody bats a thousand. No, no. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of people said that too about the Bills. It did look like that at the time. This is the flukiest two seed of all time. 
It's crazy, man. It is. And I will just say this. Mike McDaniel, yeah, so much for revolutionizing football, all right? How about just beating a good team? The only good team the Dolphins have beat all year is the Cowboys, and the Cowboys usually fold when they play a good team. So somebody had to win that damn game. So, uh, you know, I'm just sorry. Hey, hey, okay. Well, they have an issue. The issue is, and there is another issue to that issue, one, the issue is that a lot of people tell me that I resemble the issue that they have, that, you know, we seem to have an uncanny lookalike. I don't see it, but some people tell me that. Two is the actual issue that I seem to resemble. Did you get it? Did you follow? What? Do you look like Mike McDaniel? No. Do I look like Mike McDaniel? No. Well, maybe some people said people that. People tell me I look like two of them. I don't see that. Thank you. I don't see it either. But, no. but. He's the issue. And I've always been a Tua hater, so that's why I try to refrain from it because maybe I'm very unbiased when it comes to him because I haven't liked him since his draft. But There was an article in, I think, the Miami Herald that pointed out that McDaniel is 0-1 in the playoffs. He's 4-9 and in December and January and 3-11 and against teams that have made the playoffs the past two years. Beat a good team, Mike McDaniel. Then you can go on the Play Callers podcast and start talking about how Kyle Shanahan and other people are freaking out and how they're doing it wrong and how you're so much smarter than everybody else. Beat a good team. You know, it's interesting because you know what I think both Shanahan and McVay have, and Shanahan even has this over McVay, but they're disciples, if you want to call them. They're kind of guys that come up in their tree don't seem to have this, is – they have a physicality ingrained into their football team. Yes. Miami's a little soft. Um, Green Bay, a little bit soft. You know, for yep. cold weather team, a little bit soft. Rams are kind of soft when they play the Niners, at least in the Shanahan-McVay matchup since 2019. Mm-hmm. But they're not a soft team at all in general when they play other teams. They're very tough. And then the Niners are the toughest team. You know, them, Baltimore, they're the toughest. Pittsburgh, they're some of the toughest teams in the NFL. And I think that's like the special sauce for Shanahan that always gives him an advantage because for all the speed, all the lateral quickness, all the motion, the ability to capture the edge and all of that, the Niners are able to overpower teams while being the fastest team as well. And Miami has an issue with that power and size of Buffalo. I mean, they got bullied yesterday, but every good team they play. Sorry, people are playing the looks like game in the chats about Nick Wright. First of all, the looks like game is my favorite game. Dan Labatard show started doing it. So-and-so looks like, and then they say something funny. Jason PDSI says, Nick Wright looks like he dra- he has a huge box of snake oil in the trunk of his car. <laughs> it's I, yeah, I, I'll say this. I Once you stop taking people's sports takes seriously and you just take it for like whatever, I, I find him to be entertaining. I think he knows how to sell the hell out of some of his takes. Yes, and I does. think he's very funny. Very smart. Um, so yeah, I like him. I, I don't necessarily agree with most of what he says, but I, I like him. Um, as a right, looks analyst. like a guy that still sprays half a can of Axis. <laughs> see, Rob, I would get started on these, and then somebody would tell me I look like Tua, and then oh, see, I mean, look, I, I don't. This is not meant to bash Nick Wright at all. I just very much enjoy the looks like game. Um, I see. Bit. It's like I said, it's one of my favorites, but I think Nick Wright is one of the smartest analysts out there, not because necessarily he his takes are so accurate, but because he knows how to make a good take and frame a good take. Um, so I, I actually have been trying to get Nick Wright on the show uh, to talk about Brock Purdy, 
Fox has uh, conveniently given me the runaround. They're scared they're... of Rob Stats Guerrera interviewing oh, no. their talent. I wish they would just say no. If you don't like, if you're not going to give them to me, that's fine. Say no. Don't keep saying, "Well, let's check in this week. Let's check in this week." Like it's it's 15 minutes. He can either do it or he can't. But anyway, I'm trying to get him on the show. So that's that. Um, okay, we got to the coaching carousel stuff. Yo, yeah. you the best one is Rodney Ruxin got a job as a sports analyst. <laughs> Who's Rodney Ruxin? You don't know Rodney Ruxin. No. Should you I? don't know Rodney Ruxin. You know what? Here's the thing. Anytime anybody comes up with something on the show, like, what's this thing? I don't know what it is. I'm the old white guy in the room. No, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't even old though. This is, I mean, the show is on Hulu now. It's you've not seen the league. No, I, I don't like the league. You've seen the league then. I know it exists. I tried watching an episode. I didn't like it. Okay, well, Rodney Ruxin is one of the five main characters. Maybe you should have given it a longer chance. Eh, I'm it's not a classic into the, sitcom, Rob. I'm not into the shows where people are like, it's a great show. The first four seasons suck, but it's an awesome show. Yeah, like That's not true good. about the league. If it's not good right away, I'm not interested. Okay, well, what shows do you like, Rob? Give me your uh, sitcom list here. Uh, right don't now, give me the don't give me the classic Friends, which you think is good, but it's not actually that good. Friends is or not the other good. one. Okay, okay. Give right me, give now, me a real list. I'm watching Fargo right now, loving it. Okay, I don't even know what that is. Oh, see, there you go. Fargo's an excellent show. You should watch. Give, it. What about what about these sitcoms? We're talking about like the league. Give me a sitcom list for Rob I mean, Guerrero. Greatest sitcom of all time is Seinfeld. Period. End of discussion. Okay. I loved The Good Place, fantastic. Scrubs, fantastic. Um, Parks and Rec. I liked Parks and Rec. Maybe no bad the episodes I watched of Parks and Rec. Is there actually? I I skipped a lot of. A There's few not. Of the There's almost not. JJ zero zero says ensemble shows, The Office, Parks and Rec. They take a season for the cast to mesh. Thirty Rock was good immediately. Definitely go watch Thirty Rock. I, I thought The Office was good immediately, and now if you go back and watch like season one basketball, one of the most underrated episodes of all time. <laughs> um, even the first episode is really underrated. There's a lot of really good ones. Um, the one with the purse lady with Amy Adams. That's a really good episode Amy too. Adams. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Jan says Curbs greater than Seinfeld. It's basically the same show. I mean, you've seen Community? Mm, couple episodes. Didn't dislike it, just never really got okay, into okay. it. Okay, that's a good one. Um, um, okay. Why are they asking me tamale or no tamale, Rob? Because Steph Sanchez asked something came up when I was doing a show with Steph last Thursday about tamales. Somebody's like, hey, do you guys like tamales or something? And I said, I've never had a tamale because I've never had one. You would have thought I committed a crime against the universe. Yes, I have never had a tamale. I live in Connecticut. I'm an Italian white dude, okay? When was I going to get a tamale? It's Connecticut. You think there's a lot of good Mexican food you up think here? I, you think I've eaten a tamale? I don't know. What you live? Have you always lived in Chicago? Yeah, I've lived. I mean, the suburbs, yeah. Is there good Mexican food in Chicago? Chicago's. A good I don't know, but I've eaten a tamale, Rob. I, I'm a cultured human being. It's like eating pizza. No, it's, it's like not. eating. It's like eating spaghetti. What are you talking about? A tamale is not as ubiquitous as pizza or spaghetti. No way. See, Andre says the only tamales in Connecticut is at Costco. 
Exactly. I'm like, am I going to trust? Do I really want my first tamale to be a Costco tamale? I mean, dude, their pizza's pretty decent. Their churros, whoo. <laughs> All right. Somehow we've gotten wildly off track here. Yeah, this is this has to be the least we've talked about what's actually happening with the 49ers ever in a history of one of our shows. JCG is a jerk who says Rob remembers watching Gilligan's Island as it premiered. Not as it premiered, but you're I that old, Rob. Dang, I did, I did watch it as a kid. Not gonna lie. All right, let's dang, Rob. Hey, I'm gonna be 39 on Thursday, so Whoa. I'm getting up there. Was anyway. that was that you telling everybody that it's your birthday on Thursday, yeah. or was that you telling everybody that you're gonna be 39 and you're old? Here's my deal. I love my birthday. I like everybody to make it a huge freaking deal. I okay. love it. I love being the center of attention on my birthday. I want everybody coming at me. Give me your yeah. happy birthdays. Give me your texts. Give me your tweets. I want all the love. So you're basically a Michael Scott. Yes, 100%. Like I, I, yeah. I like that you own it. I love that. I'm not going to apologize for it. It's my damn birthday. I want to do everything I want to do. I want to eat everything I want to eat. I'm ordering out for lunch. I'm ordering out for dinner. I may even order out for breakfast. I'm unstoppable. It's my birthday, damn it. It should be a big deal. If I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, who will? Wow. That was fantastic. Jason PDSI, YouTube channel member, by the way. Thank you to all our YouTube channel members. If you'd like to become one, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. And if you want to pay $4 a month, you'll get immediate access to 49ers and five the second it is done you won't have to wait for the following morning whoa four dollars a month so just you know just saying if you're so inclined uh jason pdsi says rob was nine when we won the last championship yeah that's right and my son is nine this year so i'm thinking some like you know cosmic signals that are happening right now that means we're going to win the championship this year yeah i was trying to do that calculation with me and my dad i'm 24 um my dad young my dad would, I, I know, I, I wanted to just say it in pause so that you can recognize the fact that I'm 15 years younger than you, Rob. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but my dad was 28, unfortunately, last time the Niners, not unfortunately, he was fortunately 28, but we don't get to draw that parallel the way you did. Andre says, I was nine as well, born in 1985. That's right, I'm a baby of the 80s. There you wow. go. Vinny V. You were born the same year the Niners drafted Jerry Rice. Good yeah, and won the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, you were born and you said, give me Jerry Rice. That's right. You're welcome, everybody. Vinny V says, stats, when you go to the Super Bowl to cover the 49ers, make sure to get some good Mexican food at Tacos El Gordo. Is that a spot in Vegas? I don't know. I do have the credential ask into the National Football League, so we'll see if that eventually comes to pass. Uh, JPIM 1980s. I mean, you would have to do Up and Adams live. At the Super Bowl, I probably if that would. Happened, you Honestly, know, I probably would. Yeah, yeah, you would. That would maybe be- you. Maybe you could go back to back. Debo does this segment than you. Hey, maybe I have a feeling Debo won't be doing that if the Niners are in the actual uh, Super Bowl. We you did- don't think so. You're no. not. In, you're not. You're not. You're not intrigued by the most riveting ten minutes in all of sports. <laughs> I want to talk about this for a second, though. Okay. Because- 1994, I remember, obviously, that's the year the Niners won the Super Bowl. The big story that week was that Deion Sanders and Jerry Rice got into a fist fight Mm -hmm. because Jerry was all gas, no breaks, nobody go out, nobody party, nobody have a good time. This is a business trip. We're here to kick the hell out of the Chargers. 
Deion Sanders had a Lamborghini delivered to himself at practice at the Super Bowl. Deion was going out. Deion was doing all this stuff. And first of all, Jerry didn't like Dion because he felt like he was an outsider anyway. Because remember, Dion had just come in as a free agent that year from Atlanta, who was a division rival at the time. Right. So he already did not really like Dion, and just they had completely opposite personalities, which is a little crazy because Dion actually did practice hard and study hard, but he also had a lot of fun too. And they reportedly got into a fist fight before the Super Bowl because Jerry didn't think Dion was taking it seriously enough. The America's game on it is yes. pretty legendary with Dion telling the story. Like, Jerry, you know we're already going to kick the dang crap out of the Chargers. <laughs> I forget what the spread was for that game, but yeah, they and they, they did kill the Chargers. But then you got Richard Sherman saying in 2019, like he just kind of casually threw it out there like, hey, the Niners didn't take things as seriously as maybe they should have. There were some guys that were partying before the Super Bowl, and the Niners lost that Super Bowl. And I when do, did he say this? He said it on his show. I think he was interviewing Jair Brown. Oh, and he just, he just threw it out there like, yeah, you know, maybe there were some guys in 2019 that were doing some things. And it was like, damn. And I do feel like with this current 49ers team, Vish, they kind of feel themselves a little bit. They kind of get overconfident. They kind of think like, hey, we're just going to show up and teams are going to bow down because we're the big bad 49ers, especially now. Everyone's going to say, I've said it coming off the bye week. They're going to kick everybody's ass. Is there somebody in there that's going to be the Jerry Rice and say, hey, we need to, we haven't done anything yet. We need to buckle down and we need to treat this as a business trip, so to speak. Well, it seems to be Brock Purdy's personality. Um, so I, I, will, I will say him. It seems to be Christian McCaffrey's personality. So I would say him. It seems to be Nick Bosa's personality as well. So I would say him. Um, I do remember him, Fred Warner, and George Kittle doing a one-bite with Dave Portnoy, you know, one of those pizza reviews at the time. But that was the only thing I remember those guys doing. I do remember also Frank Gore, Navarro Bowman, Vernon Davis, Patrick Willis being photographed before the 2012 Super Bowl going out pretty late in New Orleans, if I remember correctly. I think that's a part of it. I think all of this stuff becomes only a story when they lose. I'm not going to lie to you, Rob. Um, I I think that we never hear about the partying that the team that wins does. Um, but often they do probably the same partying during the week. Like you're telling me, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, those guys weren't having a good time in Miami that entire two weeks. And the Niners players were the only ones going out. I, I find that hard to believe. I think when you lose, you start to look for the reasons why you lost. And then you start to look at all the little things you didn't do. Um, but oftentimes, I think both teams are not doing those little things. I think your point about them needing somebody to keep them focused is the more important thing here. Because they've gone on these little streaks and then they've had one game that it feels not... It, it doesn't just feel like, hey, this is a bad game for a team that's had this streak of momentum and all of that. It feels like it comes apart completely in that one game. The Cleveland game, they kind of came apart completely. The Cincinnati game, they kind of did as well. Oh. And then the Baltimore game, it wasn't just that they lost to Baltimore. The five turnovers, they got kind of dismantled in that game where we didn't even get to see them go through the adversity of, oh, they're not playing as well as they did when they're winning game after game. It was like, well, they've now turned the ball over five times, making it very hard to evaluate a lot of elements of this game because 
you're not winning when you have a five to zero turnover discrepancy. And so I, I think that when you look at all of those things, I think that they do need somebody to refocus it. I'm saying Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, um, because their personalities seem to be very even. Fred Warner even. Uh, he should have been included as well for sure. But their personalities seem to be very even keel. George Kittle as well, regardless of how the Niners are doing. Where but those guys? we haven't seen any – I was yeah, we haven't seen any of those guys really put their foot down in any of these – um, pivotal moments yet so we'll have to see if one of them steps up and becomes that exactly where were those guys when the team started sniffing themselves when they were five and oh after beating dallas i mean bosa admitted it we got overconfident he said you know we thought we were the team we needed to be fred warner in the team huddle after one of the wins said hey we learned our lesson right one game at a time where were those guys to prevent that from happening in the first place I don't know. You know, there's that famous clip of Joe Montana in the locker room saying, hey, there's, you know, there's a lot of teams that have won by a bunch. And then the next week they come out and they look like crap. And that's not going to happen to us. That was a big deal within the 49ers because Joe Montana very rarely said stuff like that and very rarely addressed the team in the locker room. So the fact that he spoke up was a big deal. And that message carried a lot of weight. Here's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't realize. Is Purdy that guy? Is it? Is it McCaffrey doesn't really speak up? It doesn't seem like he's a very vocal guy. I don't know who that guy is. Maybe it's got to be Kyle. So I think your point about the guy, we don't know that. I think it's a really fair question about this team, and we do need to find that out about them. My counter argument to you is that I think this team has shared experiences that might make them not need a guy. They might not need somebody to refocus them because the majority of this team, this core was there in 2019 when they got heartbroken versus the Chiefs. They were like, okay, no, 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 we'll come right back. Then 2020, everybody got hurt. Okay, everybody got hurt. We can run this back. Then 2021, you lose a devastating game to the Rams where you're up 10 in the fourth quarter, a team that you had beaten twice. You felt like it was meant to be. You went on this run and you lose. Okay, fine. 2022, we got to be better earlier. You're better earlier, and then you lose quarterback after quarterback, and then your third-string quarterback, you think you can win with this guy. He's playing better than any quarterback has played for you in San Francisco, in even in that season, and what happens? He gets hurt five you know, two minutes into the NFC championship game. They've had this heartbreak year after year with this same core. And I think that's what should refocus them now that they're in the playoffs. Okay. They smelt their roses a little bit during the regular season. They also, I think looked at themselves at five and oh, and felt ahead of what they've have been in other moments in other points in other years where they've been equally successful. Now that they're in the playoffs, They know what it's like. They know what it's like to lose in the most heartbreaking fashion multiple times over and over again. They might not need a guy to refocus because the majority of this football team has been there and done that. And being there and doing that is losing a playoff game. Vinny V says, hopefully it'll be Debo, who was in tears in 2019 and will be back, George Kittle. Yeah, if the Niners do make the Super Bowl, expect that clip of George Kittle saying, I will be back to make the rounds. But I wanted to talk to you about this, Vish, because I actually went through it the other day. Do you realize in 2019 how young the 49ers core was and how young that core was of the players that are still there? Debo was a rookie. Nick Bosa was a rookie. Rookie. Dre Greenlaw was a rookie. Fred Warner was in year two. Mm -hmm. Kittle was in year three. They were so young at that point. Now, Debo's in year five. Bosa, year five. Greenlaw, five. You know, Fred Warner's in year six. George Kittle's in year seven. 
They are a much more seasoned, disciplined team you would hope. So maybe that won't be a thing. But I don't I just have this. I don't Maybe it's just me worrying about nothing. But if I were Kyle, my message to the team over the next two weeks would be, we haven't done anything yet. Great. We're the number one seed. So what? I would show every number one seed that has shown up and lost in the first playoff game. I would be showing them. I would be telling them, you haven't done anything. You haven't proven anything that this is nothing that the next three games are what the whole damn season has been about. You know, that famous clip of Bill Parcells on NFL films. This is why you lift all those weights. This is why you do all that. It's this, it's these three games coming up. And I hope Kyle just drills that message home to them these next two weeks. I think that can be dangerous. I think he's, I think he's got to read the morale of his team because the last thing you need then is them drilling that within themselves and then you doing it more. And now everybody's really tense. Everybody's really tight because you're just feeling the pressure and you're feeling the moment and you're the one seed and you've been beating everybody this year. And it's kind of like you have to produce. That's what happened in the 15 and one Packers, right? 15 and 0 or 14 and 0. They lose the one game to the Giants. I earned the, No, they beat the Giants in the regular season. I forgot who they lost to in that regular season. But that was in 2011. Rodgers has the greatest quarterback season I've ever seen. Still is, in my opinion. Um, And they play the Giants, um, the 2011 Road Warrior Giants, the 9-7 and Giants with, you know, Eli Manning setting the fourth quarter comeback record. And they drop, like, what, six, seven passes? You had Jermichael Finley with the drops, Greg Jennings with the drops. Um, and to me, it was like they felt the pressure of being the one seed, the reigning Super Bowl champs, having to defend going through um, their uh, uh, going through their home field, which is Lambeau Field. And so when you when you look at that, I, I think that it's very important to ensure that he plays to the psyche of his team. And if they're all feeling tight, he's got to build their confidence. But if they're feeling themselves a little bit, then, yeah, he's got to do what you said. And maybe you'll do it for him. By the way, the Packers that year lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, who were six and eight at the time, and led by Kyle Orton. That's who beat who, that. Who lost, sorry? That's who beat that 2011 Packers team in right. the regular season. The right. Kyle Orton right. Chiefs. Just right. throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're right. Chicago, great. Kyle Orton. Kyle's got to feel it out, and I, you know, hopefully he will. He seems to have a good read on the locker room. I just. I want to see the hungry 49ers. I feel like you want to see them as hungry as you are. That's what it is. Of course. What fan wouldn't I have been here for 30 years, Vish 30 years of watching the seasons of my life go by. And this team Rob rounder. I don't want to hear it from you. Now that I know that you were born on January 11th, that means you've not seen, but one, but two, but three, but four 49ers Super Bowl victories you've been alive for. Four. Yeah, well, if I can't remember them, does it really matter if I was on the planet when they occurred? You're telling me you can't remember 89? You could. You should be able I to remember 89. four. Maybe. And? What do you remember from when you were four? What was that, like six years ago? Wow. 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 I just said I was 24, man. Nice math. I just... <laughs> all those years. <laughs> oh god i just i'm yeah i want it man i'm tired of waiting on it i've been here for 30 freaking i sat through the dennis erickson's and the chip kelly's and the jim tom sulas 
and all that garbage. I yeah. need it, especially this year. I need it for business reasons, man. This 2023 was a hell of a year for me. Okay. I need I, it. What did, what did Singletary and Nolan do to escape your wrath there? Yeah. Only Tom Stula, Erickson. Them. Yeah. God, there's too many to name. So yeah, I do. I'm sorry. Like I, I have that hunger for it. I hope the players do too. Cause if they come out and they're hungry, like they were in the Dallas game, like they were in the Philly game. I feel, I would feel so much better about this. And I don't know if they will. I have a feeling that they well, might not. We will have to see how they come out from that buy. It'll say a lot. Um, you, do you remember how good they looked coming out of the buy in 2019 against Minnesota? Everybody looked good, but number 10 for a portion of the game. But he started off like really hot in that game. That first yes, drive, they go right down the field. He throws some pretty balls to Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, pause. He throws some pretty passes to Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders. Um, so maybe I I do think that, you know, they have the capacity to be able to do that. But we'll see it right away because they start fast. You're right about that Minnesota game. Like the Niners go down. Jimmy hits Debo for 10. Then he hits Emmanuel Sanders for 22. He hits Emmanuel Sanders for 11. He hits Kittle for 11. And then he throws a touchdown to Kendrick Bourne for three. And they were like, oh, Jimmy's coming out hot. And then he almost throws an interception to Anthony Barr, I think it might have been. And Kyle. A couple of the Kendricks, a couple of the Barr, yeah. Kyle said on the Playmakers podcast, he decided at that point, I'm taking the ball away from him. And he ran it down Minnesota's throat and they won because he knew they weren't scoring on his defense. And then in Green Bay, he didn't even let Jimmy throw it. He threw it eight times the whole game the next week. And that's the only NFC championship game the 49ers have won under Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. But to be fair, Rob, one detail I forgot. I can't just say Jimmy was the only bad Niner because they started Akella Witherspoon in that game. Stephon Diggs a little did a little something to him early That's right and then they went to emmanuel mosley and yep. then only one player on the 49ers played poorly for the rest of the playoffs <laughs> and well that was the encouraging thing and we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this that was the encouraging thing against the ravens when brock was throwing interceptions it never looked like kyle was like forget it we're just gonna run it forever he kept giving brock opportunities to throw which i think was a good sign and, and it goes to show that there's nuances to interceptions right like, if you can trust the process that a quarterback's going through on where he throws the ball, you're going to live with him throwing some interceptions, right? Like, Peyton Manning consistently threw double-digit inter- interceptions, but he always had a why. Jimmy Garoppolo, on the other hand, throws the same interception every time. There's no why to it. He just throws the same interception every time. You're not going to be able to live with that because you're not going to be able to trust that he's understanding and going through something the, the right way, right? Like if you're teaching somebody how to drive, you're going to trust the guy who everybody's going to crash their car. Sometimes everybody's going to speed. Sometimes it's going to happen, but you're going to trust the guy who does the mechanics of driving correctly by the book versus the guy who does a lot of things, gets results, gets from point A to point B, but the way he drives, you can't trust on trip to trip that he's going to keep you on the road. Wow. That was getting better and better as I kept talking through it. Look at you. See, I'm learning from you. You needed an hour to round into form. Um, Jay Pym, 1980 says, Rob, I feel you us fans around our age are hungry for it, man. He said around our age, he must be like 31. He must be nice (laughs) to you. 31. Geez. That's not really around my age anymore. Unfortunately, unfortunately not Robert. We didn't get 
to really look back at the 2023 season that much, as much as I really would have wanted to on the show. But that's all right. You and I have a tendency to veer off track. But just quickly, I wanted to throw this tweet up from Nick Wagoner because I do think Brock Purdy needs to be recognized for what we saw this year. Brock was incredible this season. Fifth in passing yards, and he didn't even play every game because he sat out the final game. 9.6 yards per attempt, best in the league. Third in touchdown passes which with 31, which hadn't been done since Jeff Garcia did it in 2001. Obviously, that a single-season passing yardage record we know. 13.9 yards per completion. 8.78 yards per drop back. Eight air yards per attempt, which was sixth in the league. What he has done this year has blown blown away my wildest expectations coming off of last year. And I feel like it's got to be everybody's wildest expectations because Brock has been incredible and he deserves all the praise in the world. Yeah, 100%. And I I think that when we just talk about what he's done, we forget what our entire offseason conversation was. And our entire offseason conversation was not how good is he going to be all of those things. It was, is he going to be healthy? When is he going to play? How much of the offseason is he going to go through? He had an injury that the rest of us had not seen before. They were talking about Clayton Thorson and Nick Mullins. That wasn't really something that gave us an idea of how a starting quarterback who was going to be the starter the next year was going to go through having that injury. He came back at the start of training camp, which was before he was indicated to be um, uh, on or before he was indicated to be cleared. He went through the entire training camp. He went through the entire offseason. He seemingly had a good offseason, and he improved from the year before for a guy that spent the majority of the offseason rehabbing. I, I think that the sky is only pointing up. Um, I don't even know that he had. I think he had an excellent season, um, without a doubt. Definitely the best season I've seen from a 49ers quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. There's no doubt about that. This was an excellent season. This is what we've been talking about, you know, with Garoppolo and we complained about him that, you know, a better quarterback can do something like what Brock Purdy did. Mm-hmm. But I I think that we'll get a better idea of how he how good he can be and where his ceiling is going to be and stuff like that next year when he's not going through this elbow stuff this entire offseason, when he doesn't have to go through that. Didn't really affect him this year, but I think not even having to go through that is going to unlock much more for him. And I know that there's still three very important games for um, or three very important games for the 49ers. We're hoping, we're hoping they win all three of those, but just as an outlook for him this year to next year, I, I think that there's so much yet to be discovered given that he improved so much from last year while being injured. He's damn good. And I'm happy for Brock. He seems to be everything you would want, your quarterback to be hardworking, humble, humble at the press conference, badass on the field. Like I love, I love his like individual moments of seeing red with his celebration. Yes, I do. They're too. awesome. It's good. I like that. He has personality. Even if he doesn't always show it in the press conferences, at least he shows it on the field. I like that. I like the swag. I think the team feeds off it a little bit too. Uh, So I just wanted to give Brock Purdy the love. I know everybody thinks I hate Brock Purdy. I actually don't hate Brock Purdy, and he deserves it. Uh, I actually graded out the whole 49ers offense for the 2023 regular season. If you want to read it, it's up on our website, goldstandardniners.com. A lot of good nuggets in there. Is this a player-by-player grade or a position-by-position grade? Uh, It's kind of both. um, Some of it's positions, some of it's players. Like, if there was only Uh, one You're telling me you didn't want to grade Charlie Warner this year? Yeah, nope. You know, didn't grade Charlie. 
Uh, didn't grade any receiver after Debo and Ayuk, although I did give Juwan Jennings a shout out for his blocking. Uh, didn't grade any other tight end. They missed him, by the way. This buy, big. Yeah. They they need him back. Right. They need that seventh rounder. Really got six All Pros on the team, but God, they missed Juwan Jennings. It, I I it's not it's you. I know what you're saying, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that hey, like he's the most important role. Obviously, they need Debo, Brandon, IU. But he fits a role around those guys that I think is extremely useful. It's like, you know, when the Miami Heat had Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James, but they still needed Shane Battier, who complemented them perfectly. I think Juwan Jennings is that for this offense because they can go lighter personnel and they can still block because he blocks, blocks really well. He's good at uncovering against man coverage on third down. And he's tough as nails, and he's pretty good after the catch. That I think that's the most underrated thing about him. He's pretty good after the catch. And so I think he fits a role that they don't really have if he's not there. Okay. Heal up, Joel. Well, first of all, heal up because he's had a concussion, and he's been out for a while. So it's that's a little a, worrisome, yeah. Yeah, that's a scary thing. So first and foremost, just heal up and feel better and then worry about the football stuff later. But, uh, you know, for all the people saying, what if the season comes down to Purdy? If the season comes down to Juwan Jennings' health, things have gone seriously wrong. Yeah, 100%. 100 you're absolutely right about that. I didn't want to make him more than that. I just um, wanted to point out that he is a pivotal member of this team, even though he's not one of the 12 most important players. Are you really that pivotal, then, if you're 13 on the list? Pivotal? 13 out of 53 is pretty good, Rob. Pivotal? Rob, what what would your mom say if you got a 40 out of 53 on a test? Well, she would say, why the hell are you still taking tests? You're 39 years old. Okay, okay. I'm talking about when you were 15, 16. Think back to like all those years ago, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Oh, young yeah. Rob. Donald Bayer says Rob's takes on shows suck. Scrubs is awful. Scrubs is amazing. Are you out of your mind? Scrubs is hilarious. If Scrubs was still on Netflix, I would throw it on every day. That was my... I had a bad day show. I just need something to make me laugh. I would put scrubs on all the time. That oh, was my, it. I, I, I like watching the office, Rob. You should watch the office. I've, I've watched, I watched the office live when it was on the air. First of all, second of all, I've rewatched the series several times. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm what disgusted you, with you. you think you're you're going to tell me about the office. Like you're going to make me discover the office. Like I haven't friggin' I lived the office. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I was here when it was on NBC live every week. I used to have my friends over. We would he would come over to watch The Office. Really, one friend, and then he got a girlfriend, so we invited her too. Oh, that's two friends. Dude, that's pretty much my limit. All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of the show. Vish, I missed you so much. I'm so glad you're back. We're hopeful that we can move the show back to where it was in the afternoon. I know we gotta mm -hmm. work out a couple things. It's not 100 percent yet, but hopefully that happens. I it's going to happen. It's a matter of, it's not a matter of will. It's a matter of when I'm just waiting for approval on my one day work from home. Once I get that, we're good to go. I, I put in the reason I, I need to do a show with Rob stats Guerrera. So I, I think we're going to be okay. Cause you know, Rob Guerrera, like Fox is scared to even say no to that guy. Right. So there you go. I mean, who's really, once you throw my name in there, it's kind of a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. I had to include the stats. Right. Naturally. JJ's they, they, they might have mixed you up with the other Rob Guerrero. Right. Or stats, the district attorney, you know, right. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Uh, like, and subscribe to the YouTube page, please. And thank you. If you click the little bell, you'll get notified every time we go live, which is every single weekday for you. 
Thank you, everybody. Tomorrow will be Bully Ball with Steph Sanchez and Jason Aponte. 8 a.m. Pacific time, bright and early up for you. Get your morning coffee. Tune in to Steph and Jay. They do a fantastic job. And I'm actually going to sit down with Guy Haberman of the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast this week as well, trying to line up a couple guests on this uh, 49ers bye week. So that is a thing that will be happening too, Vish. Any messages you want me to pass along? No, I'm just proud of you, man. Look at you. Come, I come back here and you have 2,000 more subscribers. You have a sponsor. You're killing it with ad reads. It's, it's cool to see. Thank you. Well, it's the support of everybody. So I can do it without you and the team we have here and everybody watching. So thank you again, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the national championship game. Thanks for giving us part of your night. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.